2: You're watching My Fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cullen. Yes!
3: Yes, it's me. It's me. It's me. Thank you for joining me tonight. Keep clapping. Clap for a
4: free Cuba. How would we know that you wanted a free Cuba if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to My Fellow Americans. I am... Literally Spike Cohen, and I am incredibly sunburned. I don't know how well that shows, but I spent a good bit of the day at the beach, and I feel it. I don't know if you can see it, but I can feel it. Uh, this is usually when I would go through all of our sponsors. Uh, but unfortunately, our guests uh, uh, have to go straight from this episode to uh, an episode of their own show. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and skip that. But I am going to say that this is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out everywhere. All social media, all podcasting platforms. Go to anchor.fm slash waters to listen, to leave messages, and to donate. Go to muddywatersmedia.com. For all episodes, Uh, go to our store to buy our merchandise. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, be sure to hit the bell. I want your phone to explode every single time we go live. Every time we go live, I want to thank you for tuning in. Be sure to share, like, comment, subscribe, bell. Do all the things. Fool the algorithm into thinking we're the most popular thing on the internet right now. That's the most powerful thing you can do. The last thing that I want is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long Libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. Folks, I don't have to tell you what's been happening over the past few days. We've been seeing what started as a protest and what looks more and more like an uprising happening in Cuba, and uh, that leaves us with many different questions. How do we get here? Um, What are we seeing that's true or isn't true um, what can be done to help or should be done to help? Um, is, this, uh, you know, is this what it looks like or, or potentially something else? And uh, who better to answer that than two absolute experts in the field uh, with Libertarios Hispanios. Uh, let me uh, introduce our guest first. She is incredible. She is uh, running for the uh, Miami-Dade County Commissioner. She is the daughter of Cuban immigrants, and she is a very active member of the Liberty Movement, uh, especially in the uh, in South Florida area. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Marta Bueno. And then he is also uh, very well-known and also incredible and lovely. Uh, he is also uh, the co-founder of Libertarios Españos, is very active in the Liberty Movement here and in Latin America. Ladies and gentlemen, Zach Foster, Martha, Zach, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, they can't hear you. Hold on. I don't know why they can't hear you. Oh, good. Uh, Okay, say something now? Can you hear us? Yes, there we go. Zach, say something. (laughs) Happens to the best of us. Yes. Okay. There we are. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Before we get started, I just—I always ask my my guests the first time that they're on the show, uh, who are libertarians. What is it that brought you to libertarianism? Was it kind of an aha moment or sort of a gradual evolution over time? Everyone has their libertarian genesis story. Let's hear yours. And I guess we'll start with uh, with Martha, and then we'll go to uh, to Zach. Martha.
2: Um, it was a slow progression. I had voted Republican and then realized that that was the big mistake and slowly realized somebody told me once i was a libertarian i was like i I felt insulted and then i looked it up and i was like hmm (laughs) maybe yeah could be
4: that's funny and uh and zach what was your what was your genesis story
0: former republican voter former conservative uh, actually took a lot of the principles to heart during the ron paul campaign season 2011-2012 that's when i made my heaviest project uh progression away from just being a conservative and towards being a libertarian over time, uh, Dr. Paul's ideas and his example showed me that, uh, there's probably some truth in that old Ronald Reagan statement. The essence of conservatism is libertarianism. And also after 2012 election, um, I saw that the libertarians really were the only one, some of those values to heart, uh, the Republican party as an institution. I could see even 10 years ago that it was totally screwed and it was no longer the place for me. Uh, folks liked all the wars. Uh, they did not want to end the fed. That was just not a priority. Uh, folks liked the war on drugs. Um, the, the whole blue lives matter thing. They hadn't, hadn't come up with a phrase yet, but they were very pro cop and anti anybody else, even as early as a decade ago. Uh, so I saw the writing on the wall and I removed my the situation and Day, most of the MAGA movement is exactly who I predicted 10 years ago that they would be today.
4: Yeah, it's not like they weren't signaling it. I, you know, even the things that they supposedly care about, like taxes and the debt, when they're in office, they spend just as bad as the Democrats. They tax just as bad as the Democrats. So we all certainly agree on that. But whatever got you here, we are certainly happy to have you. Uh, I wish that we were here on more happy uh, a more happy conversation to have. Although this potentially could end up being a happy conversation, but um, I certainly don't have to tell the two of you that right now there is some in- turmoil, which in- appears to be increasing turmoil in uh, in Cuba. And uh, before we get into what's happening there, is it possible? Can you guys talk briefly? And and this isn't really like a, a strict thing. Either one of you can talk, and it's more of a conversational thing more so than a than a strict panel. But You know, where did, how did we get here? How did these, this current round of protests start? Or is this something that's been, you know, that never really ended from the previous time? How did we get here?
2: Zach, do you want to speak on that?
0: Kettle's been boiling for a long time. The kettle has been boiling for a long time. There have been hundreds of protests in Cuba over the last year that we're aware of. Uh, Just most of them are small, uh, locally-based protests that don't usually spread. This time around, there was a critical mass. Uh, social media had a lot to do with it. The fact that Cubans have mobile phones and access to social media or uh, encrypted app like WhatsApp, Signal, Gram and a couple of others; uh, those things really helped with uh, the the catalysts. But uh, overall, uh, the two biggest catalysts—I uh, don't know if you guys have ever heard of them. Uh, one is communism and the whole economic system and repression that comes with Soviet-style socialism. And uh, the other one, not sure if you guys have heard of it or not, but uh, uh, COVID and also COVID restrictions, kind of a double whammy. On one hand, you've got the of all the resources in the economy in the hands of not only the state, but specifically the communist one-party state, communist party state. Uh, and then on the other hand, uh, so, so not only is there not enough medications, uh, not food, uh, people nutritionally are already compromised with their immune systems. Uh, right. Then the virus, you know, they can't get PPE, hand sanitizer. It is very difficult to social distance uh, when you've got to go to a crowded uh, marketplace to try to haggle for your living supplies. It is very difficult to socially distance in these Latino multi-generational households that you see a lot of in Cuba-like uh, countries. So between the COVID and the Soviet socialist economy... Also repression and COVID restrictions, like literally uh, nine o'clock curfew every night uh, because of the pandemic, because apparently the virus uh, goes to sleep or the virus wakes up at 9 p.m. There you go. Uh, so like 8.59 p.m. You would see the National Revolutionary Police uh, coming out of their their little blue light police cars or there would be state security agents in plain clothes. They would just get off a motorcycle or get out of a vehicle and start whacking people with their nightsticks. Uh, and footage of that started going viral. So those were kind of the different catalysts coming from multiple directions, and they converged together to make this perfect storm uh, that we see going on in Cuba. And I I guess the best word for it is a civil hurricane. There is a civil hurricane in Cuba right now.
2: You can add to that that we also had uh, the issue in Cuba of um, the monetary change. So they removed the dollar and now they can only use euros. So that obviously made uh, more oh. difficult. For... Sorry.
4: No, I was just saying, oh, I ta- oh I, I'm you. not talking. Yeah, <laughs> no.
2: So, yeah, the, the mo- money situation in Cuba, um, they removed one of the, the currencies, the dollar. And so people are used to receiving remittances from the United States in dollar and they no longer were able to. Uh, all of the stores were now in euros. Which was a big problem. And then on top of that, like Zach mentioned, all these other issues, and um there's just no no food, there's there's no medicine, and uh Cuban government refused to take in um, the vaccines that that they were offered from the international it was just a lot of issues altogether.
4: Now, that's interesting because I've read quite a bit in the last few days about this and i'm not sure that anyone mentioned the fact that they cut off the dollar which as i understand it was the main uh means of trade in in cuba uh especially in in the gray and black markets when did did that happen recently or was that something a few years ago when did that happen
2: that happened uh at the beginning of the year Uh, So we had, um, they first removed, Cuba had three different uh, monetary, different uh, monies that you could use. It was el peso convertible, uh, the Cuban one, and then the dollar. They removed one of the Cuban ones and then now they removed the dollar and it has to be the euro that they can use. And so you can imagine if you have a whole bunch of family in Miami sending you money, we're not exactly able to send you euros and Western Union also stopped uh, servicing the island. So between covid and people not being able to actually travel to the island or receive things, um, you know, it's just, it, it was, it really is, like Zach said, the perfect storm. So they To make it abundantly dollar. clear,
0: what what Bitcoin is to the U.S. dollar, the U.S. dollar is to the Cuban peso. And right. the main source of stability in a, in a severely impoverished country, they lost that. And they've been getting progressively poorer over the last seven months, even from what they were at the beginning of the year so. The desperation is high because dollars means you can get a gallon of milk. Dollars means right. you can get one or two fishes to feed your family for a day or two. Uh, so the lack of dollars, it creates
4: problems for a lot of people. So, and they also removed the, did you say they also removed the Cuban pesos so and now it's only the euro that they use?
2: No, no, they had two different uh, forms of currency. They had, um, oh, okay. It, it, yeah, it's just two
0: Cuban. The local local peso and then there's the convertible peso. Because the Cuban government wants to put another barrier in between uh, the U.S. dollar and the Cuban people, what they did a few years ago is they created a convertible peso. So instead of just going to Cuba and paying for things in U.S. dollars like a lot of people like to do, you got to go to a money exchange, you got to pay a commission, so your dollar will come out to, like, uh, 0.97 CUP. They kept you pegged really close to whatever the value of the dollar was. And oh, so okay, all the okay. things that people previously would buy in dollars, they would buy in CUP. So uh, that was another thing that was really difficult for folks. Um, a lot of their groceries used to just be in uh, CUP, which is local cool Cuban pesos. And then uh, starting a couple of years ago, a lot of the staple items you could only get with convertible those which is the one that's pegged to the dollar. So even within their own stable, domestic right. currency, people are paying dollar prices uh, for crappier, less trustworthy currency. And on top of that, they took away the U.S. dollar. And then uh, a lot of people who had maybe a few CUP saved over, they lost the value of that too because that particular currency is discontinued. Uh, and Cuba's had to reevaluate their currency. When we looked at statistics from their central bank. I don't know if they were trustworthy but that they probably inflated the crap out of a new currency in order to be able to cover
1: it.
4: Of course. Yeah. They're, they're saying it's worth something that everyone in the market knows it isn't worth, which is causing even worse economic devastation the same way that the U S dollar is
0: already a fiat currency and they're fiatting based on a fiat.
4: Right. Yeah. 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 With, with a, with a spiraling economy. So one thing that, that I, I noticed is that I'm always told, well, you know, people say things are so bad in Cuba, but yet they have universal health care and they have, you know, the highest literacy rates in the world or in, in the Americas or, or in the Western Hemisphere or whatever metric they're using. And what I'm noticing is that two of the things that I keep being told by corporate U.S. media, one of the main things that they're complaining about is health care, is, is lack of vaccines, lack of pers- uh, protective equipment, lack of hospital rooms. In other words, that their health care system is terrible. So... Are, are, is one of you going to shock me to say that the the Cuban uh, socialist healthcare system is not what we were told it was?
2: The Cuban socialist healthcare system is a disaster, um, and it's unfortunate if people on the island don't get the care. So when Michael Moore went to Cuba and he said, "Look at these beautiful hospitals," that's like going to Cancun to the like a five star resort and saying Mexico right. is wonderful. Look at yeah. all they have. Um, No, Cuban hospitals are absolutely terrible. And this was before the pandemic. And then on top of um, a pandemic, a worldwide pandemic happening, the Cuban government decided to spend less money on their infrastructure, on their hospital. They used to spend, I think it was about 3% of their uh, GDP on health care, and they decided to cut it down. I think it was between 1% and 2% after that. So, and that money, the money that they spent, they actually used it to build new hotels so of course, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic, when people aren't traveling, the Cuban government decides to upgrade their their infrastructure on travel and not the uh, Cuban people. But yes, you're right. There's there's no hospital beds. There's nowhere for people to go. There's no medicine. And then the worldwide community was like, hey, we're gonna give you some some vaccines. And Cuba was like, no thanks. We've got our own, uh, the soberana dos, which is not even out of tr- uh, trials. Um, and so uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty bad situation.
0: Yeah, the hospitals are completely collapsed uh, because of the pandemic. We're talking about people packed in sardines, uh, people sharing hospital beds. Uh, you know, people have to lay a sheet down like on the, the cracked tile floor because they're just out of bed. And You got people all over the floors and into the hallways like sardines. Uh, we have gotten direct evidence of this uh, from our brothers and sisters in the Cuban LP um Martha's got reloaders down there. Uh we have other means of communication with folks on that island. So from all these different angles in different the island and different stratas of Cuban society, we are getting the same information that the hospitals are completely collapsed. Uh a lot of the people are screaming for vaccines. People have been vaccines uh for several months now. Also, let me qualify. Uh Vaccinations, your body, your choice, right? Well, these folks have bought into what the science, conventional science is saying. They have made their choice. Uh, they believe that they would be stronger and physically better off having this vaccine. I think that they would have a chance to survive this pandemic because their own government and it's uh, completely centralized, not just socialized, but completely centralized healthcare care system does not have the ability to care for them. They are very desperate. Uh, the hospital system is collapsed.
4: Yeah, it, it this isn't just a uh, uh single pay or healthcare. This is government this is like the VA but for everybody. In, in the comments Victoria Donatas yeah, it's, uh, VA, for Donatus, uh, yeah, it's yeah, VA for all. Uh Victoria Donatas says they don't feed the people in the hospitals either. If you're hospitalized, you have to make sure you have family come to feed you while you're bedridden, which means of course that the virus is Correct. spreading even worse cuz there's people going in who aren't sick already and yeah, that's lovely. Um so uh, and you
0: also have a lot of people going hungry in the hospital bed if their relatives have been arrested or relatives just do not have food. Cause a lot of people aren't dead. They just do not have food anymore. And again, other, other governments, a bunch of uh, NGOs that have nothing to do with policyology, have made multiple overtures. Hey, let us in. We have a whole yeah. bunch of food and a whole bunch of uh, medicine that we can give. And just like the old Soviet government, just like North Korea, it is all politics. And they say, yeah, no, thank you. We have everything under control. There is no pandemic crisis. Only 1500 Cubans have died in the pandemic, which is hilariously laughable.
4: Yeah. So it's it's politics above all. They're not willing to admit there's a problem. So however many people have to die, which is the, that's the story of state communism, right? It starts to fail. Other people say, hey, would you like some help? And they go, no, this glorious revolution is working great. And meanwhile, people are, are dying left and right. What, if anything, would either of you say makes this current protest or uprising or whatever you consider it different from the other ones? Or is it different? Is it just that we're paying more attention or is this something that's happening? Is this, is this you know, people say it's happening. Is, is this happening or it's is happening. this a little bit of media hype?
0: This is Yeah, this it's is happening. happening. We don't know if they're going to lose, but this one is significantly different from all the rest. The protesters have never taken it this far before. We're talking about people, these cars, uh, after they deployed the, the police and the military to start firing on protesters with live ammo uh, around the country, different people in different neighborhoods uh, started uh, basically storming different government buildings, storming police stations. Uh, in most of these cases, the regime you know, sent reinforcements to take these places back. Uh, but yeah. the regime is growing weaker and weaker. They've already had to uh, call back a bunch of their troops uh, from occupation duty in Venezuela to come back to Cuba to repress the Cuban people and protect uh, the Castro's regime. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, there's rumors. Nicolas Maduro has already offered to send Venezuelan troops uh, to cuba we don't know if uh, the cubans are going to need them um, i don't think there's going to be a real venezuelans in cuba there's a lot of cuban soldiers in venezuela who are dressed in venezuelan military uniforms just like there's other cubans in nicaragua they wear nicaraguan uniforms because right. they learned from the pr disasters that were the iraq and afghanistan wars Photos of abu gray uh just look at the the way more benign photos of like you have some 19-year-old uh, uh, PFC like who's never been out of Youngstown, Ohio before, and now he's doing a search of Iraqi female civilians. Uh, all of those things look really bad in pictures. So uh, yep. in order to go do their thing in other Latin American countries, the Cubans will wear the host country or the host regime's military uniform, and they actually have dialect training so that they learn how to speak in that country's dialect to hide this invasion. Wow. There is a fabulous report that anybody could look for and download. It's called Cubazuela Chronicle of Intervention, and it is about how the Castro regime militarily conquered Venezuela using uh, political methods um, and other unconventional methods, what we would call fourth generation warfare, um, mixing military action with civilian action. Do you guys remember when uh, the Russians were invading Crimea? There was the little green men that were saying, oh, we're the Crimean self-defense force. Yeah, um, yeah. And then yeah. after they start storming places all over eastern Ukraine, you see mobs of civilians charging military bases. And they got no weapons. They're just charging military bases and taking them over while the little green men stand like 100 yards back and watch. Um, very to what uh, uh, the Cubans have done there, uh, except they've definitely ratcheted. And they're at the point now where they have to bring home their colonial occupation duty troops to repress people on the island. The regime isn't that dangerous collapsing. And uh, for today, for example, the vice minister of the interior ministry, uh, which is like their their version of Homeland Security. uh, So the secret police, state security, that's all part of the interior ministry the number 2 guy in that department resigned today um, out of conscience because he does not agree with the regime's hyperviolent response to these protests. And we're talking about a guy who has played the game for years. He played the good commie, good castrista, good revolutionary game and right. finally he's done because this is the first time in many many years that the regime has deployed not just the police against civilian protesters but the infantry.
4: So this is completely different than what we've seen before. This, or at least in 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 our in our time, I mean, this is they're bringing back their forces that have been doing you know expeditionary and, and occupational stuff in other countries. You have top level officials uh, that are 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 going away. I can't help but think the fact that. You know, in the past, it was always the Castro regime. Regime first with Fidel, and then for a few years with with Raúl. And now it's Miguel Diaz canel who I actually had to look up to know who even was the president. I can't help but think that's at least somewhat. And maybe I'm wrong, but is is that not possibly somewhat spurring up people saying, you know, we're not even fighting the. I, I realize Raúl Castro is the president <laughs> of the of the Cuban Communist Party, but this sort of idea of like it's already crumbling. We're just all oh, we just have to give it a final push.
2: I don't think it has anything to do with Miguel Diaz Canel being the person that is running running the country. Right. Um I think it has more to do with again this perfect storm of what happened. Yeah. And then on top of that Cubans have been fearful of their their government because of course they they've all they've known is that their government will beat them and take them and, and put them in pr- prison camps and do all these horrible things to them. But finally the hunger and the pain that they're feeling is so intense that they're like, we're done. We're done. We are not even scared. And that was one of the chants we saw um, in the first protest, the first day they were saying, we're not scared. And so that was beautiful to watch. I have to say, finally, after 62 years, the Cuban people said, we're, we're done with this. We, we don't want to keep going down this path. And um, yeah. a, big, a big role in that was was social media. Uh, most Cubans have now some access to the Internet and to social media. And so they are were able to see um, what's going on around the island, which is something that had not happened before. They didn't get access to the Internet until December of 2018 where cell phones were really uh, starting to reach the island. And so oh, that is the big heartache. difference. That's why we're actually seeing it take shape now and become a real thing. And that's why I think most Cubans are, um, you know, I have to say it's it's half like elated. We're, we're excited that what's going to happen and then scared. Um, yeah. Diaz-Canel himself said that uh, he sent the troops to fight back. So he's basically declaring a civil war in the country. So this unelected president is declaring a civil war um, and directing the troops to fight against people in Cuba that have no means to, no way to protect themselves.
0: Yeah, it's a civil war where one side is armed. Let me make it absolutely clear for the listeners, the continuity of power in this regime, Uh, it is still the Casper regime. If Raul Castro is Palpatine, Diaz-Canel is Snoke. Palpatine is not a big chair, but he is still very much of all the evil crap that's going on in the galaxy. Uh, So Diaz-Canel is the guy who's filling the chair right now, and he probably will for another 10 years if the regime does not fall. Meanwhile, Raul Castro's grandson and uh, Raul Castro's son-in-law are in the and uh, Raul Castro has been working on purging Fidel's descendants from the party so that his descendants are the ones in control. So Diaz-Canel is the guy who's in the chair right now, but it is still the castro regime and raul castro retired in the same sense that don Cor- retired became michael's consigliere
4: right so this is not just the castro regime it's the raul castro regime where he's even purging any, any remnants of, of the of the fidel castro regime to make it clear this is the road okay so this uh, Cuba is what 90 miles away from the US, from the, its closest point in the US. This is a country that is nearer to us than all but a handful of countries. Um, right. and we also have a very sizable uh Cuban American population here. Uh, and so for that and many other reasons, even more so than other countries that have uh, you know similar uprisings, we feel a connection. I hear it over and over again, including from libertarians, who we are not known for being interventionists, hearing over and over again, there has to be something we can do. And I I think I I would imagine that we all agree that, you know, a Pentagon U.S. military intervention, you know, a la Bay of Pigs, ask Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Yemen, Syria, Libya, Egypt, uh, you know, um, Tunisia, all, all these other countries, how that goes. Uh, but it feels like there there needs to be something that can be done and the the things I think of off the top of my head are are number one stop punishing Cubans who are trying to escape the Castro regime to come here that that not only should we be uh, I mean we've we've or we the the government has gotten rid of the so-called wet foot dry foot policy. I think at this point they need to just completely scrap everything and say if you come over here during this as a Cuban, then you're you know automatically. Uh, assumed to be an asylee unless uh, unless we can prove you guilty of something. Um, I also think that and we can talk more about this in a bit that uh, there are a lot of ways in which direct trade with the Cuban people could help um, and also uh, I think that there is because I hear a lot of people who they're not saying the government should go do something. They're saying I wish I could help. I wish I could send something. I wish I could go over there. I think the government should be uh, getting rid of any of the, the so-called neutrality bans or neutrality laws that make it illegal for an American citizen to go and help uh, intervene or or or, uh, or 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 liberate or, or be involved in in a, a conflict in another area. Again, not the government getting involved, simply allowing people to choose to do that if they wish. What are some things that you believe that we can do? Uh, what, if anything, do you think that the U.S. government should be doing or not doing? And then, what, if anything, do you think would help that the American people can do as as individuals and as a as a collective that we can be doing to help, or so if any
2: Yeah. So I'm sorry to cut you off uh, there at the end. Yeah. So first and foremost, I think that the what the U.S. government can do is remove Proclamation six eight six seven which prohibits people, Americans, from going into Cuban uh, water. So we can't even go to Cuba. Now that has to be the most um, just insane thing. Even when the Hong Kong protests were happening or protests anywhere in the world, Americans can go. We can do whatever we want, but not with Cuba. And so that right there is just cruel and inhumane. And, um, you know, Cubans here in Miami are asking the, the government to do something. And Biden hasn't even really paid any attention to it. And then you have. Republicans on one side that are saying we want full intervention. Uh, the mayor of Miami just said that he would he would love you know to keep bombing Cuba on the table as if that was even something that we'd consider. I mean, where are we going to bomb? We're going to bomb our own people. And exactly. so the Republicans are back and forth. Democrats are nowhere to be found. And meanwhile, you know, myself as a Cuban, I have to sit here and watch as my own family is being shot at and and being hurt and, and all these things. And there's nothing I can do. I can't even send them food. There's nothing I can do. It is such a horrible situation because even if, you know, let's just say I wanted to go there and I risked my life to get there. The moment I stepped back on foot on American soil, I mean, I, I risk pr- prosecution. What? This is such a cruel policy. I don't understand uh, why the United States really decided to just tie our hands and say, you know what? Too bad. Watch from a distance.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Zach, do, can, what, what types of policies or, or just actions by individual Americans do you think would help in this situation, if anything?
0: Well, right now, there are thousands of boats around harbors in Florida and a few other harbors around the mm-hmm. Gulf states, uh, primarily Cubans, who, uh, but also a lot of Americans from other ethnic groups who feel some kind of personal connection to the cause. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of these folks who live in the Southeast, they have Cuban buddies. They have Cuban coworkers, a couple of Cuban girls when they were going to Florida International University. You know, the list goes on. So Anglo-Americans, Americans, Americans, Cuban Americans and Cuban immigrants uh, have been coexisting for 150 years, uh, if not more. So right now, as I said, there are thousands of boats, boats that are forming a huge armada of humanitarian aid. It is a civilian armada of humanitarian aid. A lot of them are still they are docked at uh, Florida harbors. Others are anchored uh, just outside of Cuban international waters right now. There's like a big old ring around the island right now of boats with not weapons, but food and medicine. And they're just circling or they're anchored and they're waiting for the green light Not from the Cuban government, but from Uncle Sam to say, we're not going to stop you. Uh, Because everybody knows where they're going to go. Everybody in one of those boats knows where the hell their relatives are on that island and how to get there. Uh, There are over a million uh, Cubans living inside the United States. Um, and, And I don't even know how many of them were born in Cuba, how many of them were born here. But over a million people, yeah, there are a lot of United States who, for ethnic reasons, have a direct tie to what's going on only 90 miles away from from South Florida. Um, it would be one thing uh, if this was another country that we had no connection to whatsoever, right. um, but this is something where a lot of American citizens already have connections, so we're not about Americans intervening in the affairs of another country. We're talking about family members doing whatever they can to save the lives of their blood relatives, uh, primarily from starvation, Or from illness, from the pandemic, but uh, more immediately at the moment from the bullets of the security forces.
4: Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking about individuals who are choosing to provide humanitarian aid or if it reaches a point to, to help a, along in the fight, as opposed to the military industrial complex, using this as an excuse to profit by billions and, you know, create yet another long term op- occupation and, and all of that. It's, it's two completely different things. I, I'll tell you, part of the reason why we reached out to have you two on is because I don't trust American corporate media uh, on the the left or right side. I don't trust CNN. I don't trust Fox, especially when it comes to foreign policy stuff, because there are so many people running a multi-trillion dollar industry around shaping what we think about people in foreign countries, especially when it comes to conflict and war, that I just don't trust them. I've never for a second thought that the Castro regime is a good thing, uh, but I've always been careful to not fully fall you know i remember i mean the, the saddam hussein regime was a terrible regime but i remember falling for the propaganda back when i was a neocon that there were all these iraqis there that were just waiting for us to bomb the crap out of them so that they could welcome us as as uh, as liberators and that just it wasn't true um and so You know, I know that that's the wrong thing, but I, like you said, the government simply allowing the American people to help our family and friends in Cuba, Cuba is different than almost any other country. It's similar to like, if something happened in Canada, uh, or, or something like that, or Mexico, like the, the level of ties that we have is on a different level. I am as white. Well, right now I'm burning red, but I'm as white as Anglo as it gets. Like I am the most Ashkenazi, Ashkenazi Jew ever. And I have just ties that I've made with with people in the in the libertarian community, in the Latin dance community that are are, are Cuban or, or or half Cuban or something like that. This feels different because I know people who either live there or who have immediate friends and relatives who live there, and it feels different. This would be like if something was happening in Oregon or in Canada or in you know or in Texas or something like that. Um, so it's a completely different thing. I do want to talk about one one last thing before, because I know you guys got to go soon. I want to talk about the embargoes, because there's been all sorts of talk about the embargoes. I've even weighed in on the embargoes. I will say that I believe that the embargoes should be lifted if for no other reason than it takes away one of the biggest uh, talking points that the Cuban regime, that the Castro regime has. Oh, this is all happening because of the U.S. embargoes. No, it's No, it's not. But if for no other reason than that. But from what I have read, and you can correct me where I'm wrong, while there is some trade between Cuba and 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 America, the fact that they cut off uh, the ability to extend credit to uh, Cuban uh, exporters, even small exporters, and also the fact that um, which is even more important now because they've cut off uh, the the dollar and the and the and the CUP. Um, That uh, in addition to that, there are also a number of organizations and organizations adjacent to those organizations that my understanding, and you can correct me where I'm wrong, my understanding is that it is almost effectively impossible for uh, Cuban exporters to be able to trade with the U.S. and and vice versa. Am I wrong on that? Is there a vibrant trade happening between Cuba and and the U.S.? Tell me about this.
2: There is complete. There is trade between uh, Cuba and the United States, and Cuba and Brazil, Mexico, China. Right. I mean, there's there is trade. So, I agree with you. The only thing that the embargo truly serves at this point is just an excuse for the Cuban government to say, "Look, we're a failure because of America and all their evil, uh, you know, evil policies and whatnot." The embargo started uh, at the very beginning of the of the Castro regime because right. uh, the Fidel Castro ended up uh, expropriating American businesses and American money. So, you know, there's a reason for it. And and the moment that they just remove it, it's like saying, well, you know, your possessions, your private property doesn't mean anything. The embargo also has as, um, uh, you know, one of the things that they ask For to remove it is human rights violations to cease in Cuba, uh, the ability to have free and fair elections. So there are a lot of points to this that are absolutely fair. And by removing it, we're just saying, well, I guess your your rights don't really matter. On the flip side of that, like I said, there is trade. Um, It only limits some things and it limits the Cuban government from getting credit from the United States, which considering how much bailout we give to Um, foreign nations and stuff, the moment Cuba, we extend credit to them and then they don't pay, which is what they do with everyone else, American taxpayers are going to end up paying for it. So, you know, it's funny to hear libertarians especially say, we should remove this embargo. I mean, do you want to give them credit? Do you want your tax dollars to go to fund this regime? Is that what you're saying?
4: I don't don't want tax dollars to fund the regime or to fund (laughs) bailouts. But if there, I I, I don't want there to be a, a block between a, uh, a, an importer here and an exporter there, or vice versa, and and we can't export un- guns
2: to them. That's like those are the, the type of thing. And there's certain in ministries, uh, the 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 um, uh, the war like the war industry. We can't trade with with Cuba's um, military. So there are certain blocks that yes, absolutely are real. But food, medicine, most goods that people need, you can trade between the United States and Cuba. That is a complete myth. That you cannot.
0: Okay. Yeah, we can do okay. business with Cuba today in cash, which doesn't mean physically briefcases of cash.
4: It means they actually right. Have it to means in actual physical, actual liquid assets as opposed to credit. Right. Yeah. Right. Also,
0: uh, you gotta take with a grain of salt a lot of the economic reports that show what Cuba's biggest industries are and who their biggest trading partners are, because you see stuff like uh, Russia, Venezuela, things like that. Uh, that's all crap. Uh, those industries like yes, they really do trade with those countries which ooh, you right. know that that's obviously a really devastating embargo uh, if they're able to have multiple countries that they trade with but a uh, top industry in Cuba is remittances from people in Florida. period. Or was prior? or was no
4: no 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 no, to... no no no.
0: No, 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 oh, no. One of the top so industries it's... in Cuba is remittances from Americans.
4: period.
2: We are a resourceful bunch. We absolutely um, we will find ways to send our people money.
4: I love it. Listen, I have no problem with that. Yeah, so I
0: unfortunately spend between 25 and 50 a month uh, on Cuba State, uh, State-owned phone company to get phone credit for our Cuban libertarian friends. Uh, and I make that purchase with an American credit card, with an American business address and all that stuff. And electronically, it still goes through directly to Cuba. So yeah, that's a very devastating embargo. They're getting my money every month now for the last four years.
4: Well, and it's certainly not a. Blo- I know it's referred to as whatever Spanish is for the blockade. Yeah, all you Bernie which Bros, I have it's given not a more blockade
0: the Castro regime than you have. Okay, that's because the whole economy is centralized, and and I would right. like us to support our Cuban brothers in putting an end to all that nonsense.
4: Yeah, yeah. And it's I want to say that the embargo. Oh, sorry. Ahead. Yeah, no, no. Go uh, ahead.
2: <laughs> that the embargo does. You know, yes, the embargo might have some some small fraction of of something that happens with the economy, but really. Cubans can't fish. Cubans can't grow their own food. Cubans can't make their own things. So that really is the reason why Cuba is the way it is, not the embargo.
0: Yeah, no. And I I, legal small business without a government approved small business license.
4: A very interesting thing when I will
0: arrest you.
4: When I first heard people from from that had come here from Cuba describing what they could or could not do, I thought, This is almost identical to what I hear natives on reservations being told by the Bureau of Indian Affairs what they can and can't do where they're and and, and with similar results, you know, massive amounts of impoverished impoverishment, high levels of addiction, high levels of overdose, high levels of, of disease, much lower life expectancy, like literally all the things that happen in cuba and in the native reservations in and for the exact same reasons you have a highly centrally planned authority that's telling you whether or not you can do something and 99 percent of the time the answer is no or they make you wait forever to find out but if you try to do it without their permission they immediately come in and stop you and and punish you for doing it um now uh i I guess the last thing if we you said so the there are actually members of the libertarian party of miami that are as far as we know currently being held by the cash regime is that correct no not the libertarian Party of miami the cuban libertarian party oh i'm sorry i thought i said cuba I, I apologize so the libertarian party of cuba that are being that are being held by the castro regime
0: yes although there are many libertarians in the northern cuban province of south florida who are very concerned about the situation <laughs> but yes the ones who are detained are cuban-grown libertarians in cuba oh well, we we certainly well, that that, worse than
2: detained we don't true. know where they are they are disappeared yeah.
0: Yeah, we've had radio radio asylums from uh, our Libertarian brothers for the last three days. Uh, The evening of the first protest, the first day of protesting was the last that we got news from the Havana Libertarians, and there's quite a few. That's actually the biggest chapter of all of them. Uh, What we do know from that sector is that yesterday, the specific neighborhood where most of the Havana Libertarians live, which is called Arroyo Naranjo, uh it went it was flying the proverbial you know what was flying yesterday and the civilians took over another police station uh, but because we've had radio silence uh, from the havana libertarians for the last couple of days we have no idea if they were arrested on the first day of protests or if they were caught in one of the sweeps on the second and third day of protests or if any of them participated in the storming of the police station uh, because the regime has cut internet and social media to most places on the island uh, and the, most of the folks in the Libertarian Party, I'm sorry, they just don't have uh, what, what it takes to set up a VPN.
2: I have to say Especially that I did receive a, a picture from my family in Cuba. They had four police officers dedicated to the front of their house all day today. So from morning till evening, these officers did not move. So, um, you know, it's it's scary. It's scary for all of us here.
4: It is incredibly scary. It's also completely unsustainable for the regime to keep multiple police officers at every household that something is it already looks like something is giving there if you're saying that there are are civilians taking over uh, entire police stations and precincts. So I I, I know that you two have to go. And uh, I I guess I will just to
0: mention, we've already watched a number of videos uh, verified of the security forces breaking the doors into people's houses, and summarily executing people in their houses.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, this is so
0: oh, also one thing uh, there's a list of disappeared persons in Cuba uh, officially disappeared like confirmed by human rights groups disappeared no word of them um, one of the individuals on that list is a woman named Marisol Peña she is from the Cuban Libertarian Party in the province of Camagüey. her and her husband were both arrested on the 12th uh, not only is Marisol totally disappeared, nobody has any idea or clue where she is. Nobody has heard from her, no proof of life, uh, but the rest of her family has no idea where her child is. So her child has also been missing for several days. So this is uh, uh, everybody who consider themselves a libertarian, an anarchist, a class a liberal paleo libertarian paleocon, whatever freaking uh hyphenation that you want to give yourself even though we allegedly don't believe in the hyphenation stuff uh these people they're us they are our brothers they they do and say and believe the same things that you do uh and this is what's happening to them so do you guys want to get embargo Tourette's or as free and autonomous individuals do you want to help other free and autonomous individuals from a place of good faith act as individual free people to save their blood relatives and their friends? That's a question for all of you guys. Ponder
4: it. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about fighting the cult of the omnipotent state. This is the cult of the omnipotent state actually breaking into people's homes, killing them, disappearing them. We're seeing an uprising against that. that yeah. That's a does fight not, against the cult of the does not state. Does not excuse
0: what happened to uh, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, um, and, and just the, the legions and legions of... Of more victims of police brutality here no of course not. that said in that country george floyd happens every day yeah and we know this because we have libertarians who tell us this
4: yeah it happens as a matter of policy um i do know that that you both need to go on to your your next thing that you're recording so i just want to give you a chance to say anything any last words i know we, we kind of talk pretty in depth about this, but any last words that you want to give before we uh before I send you off on your before I let you guys go to your next thing. I, the the floor is uh is either one of yours or both of yours. Exactly. Biden
0: and proclamation sixty eight sixty seven or at least grant a forty eight hour window for non prosecution. I mean, come on, man. Uh at this point the US government is a bigger obstacle to cuba's freedom than the cuban regime just because of that stupid law that's uh, preventing the one thing that would alleviate their crisis from getting there remember we're not talking about sending the third marine division to havana we're talking about let cubans go home and help their families with food and medicine that's what we're
4: saying without risking prosecution back here yeah
2: mm-hmm. Couldn't have said it better myself. That would really be the biggest thing we could do. If um, everybody would just tweet, send out an email, call your representatives, let them know that this proclamation, which was not even signed by Congress, it's just an executive order uh, signed by Bill Clinton in 1996. So it should be pretty easy to remove. If we all did that, you know, that would be something great for the island.
4: This is literally something that Joe Biden can just repeal without going to Congress or anything else. It's an executive order. Yeah. Okay. well, I will certainly we're going to put up some stuff about that. Uh, Proclamation 6867. Mm -hmm. I knew generally about the order, but I didn't know exactly what it was called. So we will certainly do that. Um, Martha, uh, Zach, thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, again, hopefully next time that you come on, we'll have a cheerier subject to talk about. Maybe we'll come on to have you come on to talk about the successful uprising and the and the liberation of the Cuban people. Hopefully,
0: yeah, we'll let you know if free Cuba was actually free or if we had to pay
4: for it. I'll let you know. I, th- I appreciate that. Thank you both. Thank you for coming <laughs> on and, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you Thank so much. You. Have a great night. You too. Well, that's there is no way to talk about that. Uh, it, to 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 have a a uh, uh, funny conversation about that. That is what is happening in Cuba is absolutely devastating. It is, um, yeah, again, we know that things like this are happening in other countries. We know that things like this are happening. In fact, in a, on a massive scale in Yemen, we know that things like this happen in, uh, Afghanistan right now with the, the Taliban taking over Afghanistan and before that with the with the, the U.S.-led puppet regime doing what they were doing in Afghanistan. We know that those things are happening around the world and, and the people that those things are happening to aren't any less human or any less deserving of freedom than the Cuban people. This is closer to where I live than California is. I think it's closer to where I live than New England is um this is close both geographically and uh relationally and ethnically cuba i mean we we often joke that cuba's the 51st state or that you know that the northern uh northern province of of cuba which is in south florida the, the, there is a a direct um tie between the cuban people and and the american people and to see this happening uh it, it's time for it to end And uh, the the biggest thing that can be done right now is for Joe Biden to repeal Proclamation 6867 so that uh, Cuban Americans and and Cuban exiles who are here can go back to Cuba to help bring supplies and food and help to their family members and loved ones without risking prosecution back here. That's more important than the embargo. That's more important, as Zach and, and Martha said, that's it's actually more important. It's more harmful to the effort of freeing Cuba than anything that the Castro regime itself is currently capable of doing. Um, This is probably the single biggest thing. Um, And there are probably many other things that can be done too. But, you know, we talk about how can you help? You can help by being allowed to help and not being in trouble with the federal government when you come back home. Uh, This is not sending people to the other side of the planet in Iraq or Iran or china or mongolia or you know yemen or afghanistan or something like that this is people that can take their boats their you know their personal boats across to to uh to to cuba to bring help that's needed um um look at the 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 comments here uh eskimo libertarian uh, nullick says i want to help uh jacob labelle um says that they're they're Americans in the same way that Mexicans and Canadians are. Yeah, th- this is this is the North American Caribbean section of the planet. This is our this is our sphere of 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 humanity. Literally, our neighbors, and they've suffered too long. Uh, Ninety miles away from our shores, uh, Desiree Elizabeth Wright says, um, "Yeah, wait. This needs to be. Uh, I'm going to be putting something up about this uh, either later this evening or tomorrow." Uh, but this is something that needs to be done. Um, and, uh, I, I don't, you know, I usually try to find a funny way to parlay into, in, you know, to the next thing, but there, there isn't one. This is a brutal thing that's happening right now. And it has the spark of a potential hopeful uprising to make this be, be the last time that this happens in Cuba, uh, at least under the Castro regime. um, but yeah reach out to your reach out to Biden reach out to your uh to your senators and congressmen reach out to uh, all of your representatives and let them know that you want Joe Biden to repeal uh, proclamation 6867 executive order 6867 um uh I am because I'm I I am uh uh remiss not to do so uh I am going to uh go over our uh sponsors um because they are our sponsors and, uh, we are, uh, you know, they, they pay to, to have it on, but I certainly, um, we're not going to do it in the, uh, in the, the funny way that we always do it. Um, in fact, I'm on the wrong, what happens if I switch? We're about to see what happens if I do something. There we go. All right. Uh, let's see Cumberland uh for viable ethical and effective cannabis products in Cumberland County, uh, Tennessee. Uh, Joe Soloski is running for Pennsylvania governor. If you'd like to help him become the first libertarian governor ever, go to Joe Soloski. That's J O E S O S O L O S K I dot com. Uh, mud water, a uh, coffee alternative. Uh, I drink it myself. It's very effective. Uh, it uh, has masala chai, cacao, mushrooms, turmeric, sea salt, cinnamon, and that's it. Go to muddywatersmedia dot com slash mud to purchase them today. Jack Casey has two books, The Royal Green and uh, Silver Throne, In Silver Throne. Um, available at the uh, royalgreen.com. He has a third book, Crowned by Gold, coming out summer of 2021. Um, Jonathan Reels is running for Congress, but he is not acknowledged as a real candidate yet by the FEC, but you can help change that uh, by helping Jonathan reach his $5,000 goal by going to jonathan.cash. Fierce Luxury by Ashley, uh, featuring high-end bags such as Hermes, and coach and others. Um, and uh, if you want to consign something with her, uh, you can do so at a 30% fee, which is 20% less than typical for online consignment shops. Fierce Luxury by Ashley.com. Adder Pan is a scary game that a uh, pair people are into. Uh, it's available on Steam for five dollars. Uh, if you want to be very, very, very scared, uh, be sure to do that. Uh, of course, the uh, music to this and every the uh intro and outro music to this and every episode of my fellow americans comes from the amazing and talented mr joe davi that's j-o-d-a-v-i check him out on facebook on uh soundcloud go to his band camp joe music.bandcamp.com incredible music just dropped a new album i think it's like 25 dollars to buy his entire discography go ahead and do that shout out to Tehran turks his mom and him as always uh, folks tomorrow night uh is uh, the Writer's Block with Matt Wright. I'm not sure if we, if he knows who his guest is, but he hasn't told me yet if he does. Uh, but be sure to tune into that tomorrow night. Uh, on Friday, uh, go to um, right back here for uh, Cajun and Eskimo from Bayou's to Igloos. Uh, and their show is at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, I believe. And, uh, and then this weekend, join me in, uh, in beautiful... Uh, Tarpon Springs, Florida. Uh, I'm flying in tomorrow to uh, Tampa. Uh, Join me on Saturday for the Spike Cohen and the Philosopher uh, Range event and uh, Reload Gun Range in Tarpon Springs. Uh, Go to or FOEvents, P-H-O-E-V-E-N-T-S dot com uh, for more information and to register for the event. I'd love to see you there and go pew, pew, pew with you uh, in uh, Florida. I will see you there. Uh, And then next uh, Monday, Join us for the next episode of uh, Mister America, the Beard of Truth. I know that Jason came on briefly uh, before I uh, I went live to uh, take some more hot sauce because he's uh, he said he'd do it and he's doing it. Uh, and if you want to help him, uh, go to uh, or if you want to help him and me and Matt raise money for a family in need, uh, I will put the link uh, in the in the comments um, five one nine ccc. Two, two. All right. hold on let me make sure this is the right one before I... yeah no it is all right that is the um that's the the link to for us to help uh this family in need uh matt and jason and i are, are helping and you can help as well by going to that um and then join us next tuesday uh for the muddy waters of freedom where matt wright and i parse through the week's events uh, like the sweet little cherubs that we are. Uh, there will not be an episode of My Fellow Americans uh, next Wednesday because next Wednesday uh, at around this time, I will be one of the opening uh, speakers at Freedom Fest, uh, and then I will be doing uh, panels and interviews all through that week. So I, I won't be able to do an episode of my show, but join me next week uh, where my guest will be Lou Fien, uh, of Freedom, formerly of Freedom Fiends, and uh, he is, was my first guest. Uh, so we're going to we're going to see how far along I've come as a, as a host to have him back on. Um, so, uh, folks, thanks again for tuning into this uh, to this episode of My Fellow Americans. Uh, maybe not as fun and entertaining as uh, one as uh, as we've had in the past, but certainly an informative one and an important one. So, again, remember, repeal six, eight, six, seven. Uh, let Joe Biden know that we need to end that. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys.